Hello and welcome to the Personal Development Project. You're listening to the PD Podcast, a student set up and run podcast dedicated to everything personal development from a student's perspective. My name is Eunice Ski. I'm the Personal Development Project founder and for the first episode of the academic year we'll be talking about support networks. I was joined in this episode by Monty and Yannick, both students at the University of Bristol, and we touched on our psychologies, social vulnerabilities, experiences, and ways in which we can help ourselves whilst helping each other. Enjoy. If we sort of start with setting the context, um, I think a lot of the project um, concerns day-to-day well-being um, and we say day-to-day well-being because we're not trying to get into the meats of yeah. mental health and all of that um, we are just students sharing our experiences mm-hmm. we're not professionals we're not experts and nothing that we say is like ancillary to professional support yeah um, I think it's important to make that clear but then both of you um, guest speakers if you just want to introduce yourselves and how you know me start with Yannick what you're doing in the uni Okay, so my name is Yannick Yelipende. I am a master's student, applied neuropsychology, and uh, I know Eunice, well, you, through <laughs> my project, um, Black Men Talk, which essentially is a, um, it's like a, it's a setting where students can come and talk about their experiences in the, at the university, black male identifying students. And um, so we just like, it's like a support group, essentially. Mm. I'm not going to go too deep into what happens during it but it's essentially that just a support group mm. and I think because I had gone along to a few last year when I had the idea of doing support networks yeah there was almost no better student to have on than thank you man <laughs> than yourself thinking about me about <laughs> yeah yeah and then Monty damn I can't really uh, <laughs> yeah I'm Monty uh, Monty Rhodes I study electrical engineering I'm on my uh, third year now I met Eunice through uh uh, Go China course, which was just like a little month uh, that we had out in China doing uh, intelligent vehicles, yeah. and we uh, happened to share a room together for a month, which is yeah. which is good fun. Which was good fun. <laughs> I don't think you slept much. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I snore. It's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got used to it though. I got used to it though. I appreciated silence when I came back, so <laughs> got to sleep a lot. Yeah, so today's episode is on support networks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best place to kick it off, um, I'll open up the floor for you guys to do the same, is to sort of give some context and talk about my psychology um, and why I wanted to 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 do this. Um, being afforded quite a bit of time over summer to look back on how my psychology has affected um, how I've dealt with some of the situations that I've got myself in. Um, and I'd say I, I get similar impressions from both of you. I've always identified as being an incredibly self-resilient person. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about it in the first article I wrote for our blog, The PD Posts, um, on emotional assumptions. And it was sort of just deconstructing my psychology and looking into how I'd always find um, 
sort of the most constructive framework um, to deploy when I was trying to think my way out of struggles. Mm -hmm. It was almost almost a case of your adversities are something to overcome. And I think that's opened me up to being vulnerable in quite a few ways um, because coming out from the other side, uh, when I've stopped, I literally call them the um, unnecessary emotions. When I've stopped trying to skip the unnecessary emotions and focus just on self-dependence, self-resilience and strength, I think you can only get so far with that. You're mm. always going to come across something that you don't even compare to, something where you're way out of your depth. Mm -hmm. And for me, that experience happened last year. Um, and it was slowing down, looking around and thinking, actually, Eunice, you could talk your way out of this, but does that mean you're actually okay? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was an absolute no, you're not. And I sort of looked around thinking, I've only really worked on myself I haven't let anyone in for the journey. And had I needed to go and talk to someone or, or cry to someone, um, that would have required me filling people in with the last sort of six months to a year of my life. And I told myself, that's a situation I never want to find myself in. Because it's great, I think, it's what everyone's working towards, that self-resilience and self-dependence. But that's only half of the equation. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think the other half is leaning on support networks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. You, you, we're humans. We're we're social animals. You just have to. You have to. You have to rely on others. Like we've grown up our whole lives. Um, I mean, I was thrown into independence quite quite quickly in my gap year, and it was it was just overwhelming. Mm. Um, and then you know when I came to uni, it's just completely different. It's just hard. It's just hard. There's just uh, I don't think there's enough support to be honest at the uni when I came in. Um, you know, I talked to you earlier about having that uh, resident... Um, the senior, senior resident. Senior resident, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was nice, someone roughly our age, where we could just go talk to at the end of our corridor. Um, but, yeah. I think, yeah, we were touching on when we had that conversation, proximal support networks. Mm -hmm, yeah. In a sense, you were talking about, and I, I couldn't agree more, it's nice to have someone just down the corridor yeah. or just upstairs mm -hmm. to speak to. Um, and I think that sort of is where you try to find your place between professional and then casual if you want yeah, support yeah. networks someone around your age someone who's been through your experience someone who can relate mm. you know not not someone on the other side of a desk who's like i don't know maybe judging writing notes down and you know trying to trying to categorize you trying to put you somewhere you know yeah yannick one of the things i think i said yesterday is as much as i think there there definitely is a time and a place and a need for professional support and I don't think anyone should take that too lightly if you need the help definitely go and get it by the people that are trained mm. to help people in your circumstances but another one of the things that I've been saying of late is I think all of your friends should be your counsellors mm -hmm. in a sense mm -hmm. we're talking about that proximal network of yeah. support um, it shouldn't just be that your counsellor is the only person that knows what's going on and the only person you depend on yeah, yeah. I, um, I, fully, I definitely agree with that I I just I'm trying not to go too much into psychology, but there is this perspective, psychology perspective called the humanistic approach, which um, believes that every single human being is equipped with what we need to self-soothe. Yeah, and um, that follows in, in line with what you guys are saying in terms of just like everyone should be a counselor, everyone should be a therapist, and this is how we can create like a mesh, like a mm -hmm. net of mm -hmm. support. Yeah, so it's like everyone 
every single person holding it. If this person lets go, then someone else is. And this is this essentially is what needs to happen because, um, yeah, we we are all actually equipped to self soothe and to go with what through to help through ourselves through whatever it is that we're going through. And um, it's like I think there's this there's this thing of like you said, seeing the professionals are really the only way to go. Whereas we don't realize it, but we are our own professionals. Yeah. There is a vantage point that professionals don't have yeah. of our experience. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. Like there's a vantage point that professionals definitely don't have. And you as the person actually going through it, you know, you're more likely to know the extent of whatever you're going through. And you're, you're likely to know, you know, when it finishes and its limits, when it finishes yes. and when it starts, and when it finishes, all that stuff. You are like, we humans have not evolved to be mind readers yet <laughs> but but and so until until that happens i think generally when it comes to attitudes looking at mental health we shouldn't ignore the actual person going through it and how yeah. important that person's vantage point is it's like it's like the whole idea of 3d mapping it's about perspective in, in order to see the full picture of something you need one perspective, another perspective, and another one, yeah. which is probably the obs- an- another person that is not a professional, but also not going through it, is literally yeah. just looking at it through fresh eyes. Now, those three dimensions is what makes a three-dimensional full image and realistic, a veridic image of what the issue actually mm. is. I completely agree, because, like, um, you know, your friends, they're living their lives with you. They're going day to day with yeah. you, so like they can they can relate to a lot more issues like with you compared to a counselor who you're telling these issues, but they're not really there living the life with you, yeah. you know. Or your mates, yeah. like you said, it's like that different perspective. Like you can have a counselor, but you definitely need those mates as counselors. I remember reflecting similar at the end of last year, um, being emailed countless student feedback, your response, your your your. Your experience matters to us. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of thinking, surely there's a better way to do it. If you yeah. actually want to become attuned to what the student experience is like as a university, as lecturers, as a unit director. And I remember just thinking, if you want something that's more valuable than a thousand surveys from your students, go down to the lectures and ask your students, okay, did you understand this, this and this? Yeah. How's the course going? And then I was saying... Go down when uh, mechanical engineering, for example, have on their hand-ins for their last 100-hour coursework. And I think, as we were saying about that proximity, you need to be there in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and again, yeah, I like we need to stress, we're not saying, okay, proximal support networks, that 3D map of all of your friends are, are, are to replace professional support. I think it needs to be a bit of both. It mm-hmm. needs to be someone who is there on the journey with you. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember yeah. thinking back to last year when I sort of realised, right, you need some support. Um, yeah, I'll go with it. The best way to describe it is almost just like a lone planet. I felt like I'd suddenly been thrown into this trajectory. And when, when you're off in space, unless you have like a... a rockets or something to change your course you're just on that path and I felt powerless to change that path there was just so much momentum and I felt so isolated and I think part of that was because I was so focused on myself I was so focused on sorting things out and stepping out of that I realized maybe it's more 
of a codependent system if you want like like a concentric orbitals if we're all going around the same university if you want together mm-hmm. say i'm alone today by virtue of we're all orbiting the same thing it's a matter of time before i bump into yannick again before i bump into monty again mm-hmm. and i think it's crucial to have people along with the journey with you but it's not easy um, and that's one of the things uh, I've been trying to sort out because looking at what I share and what I don't share, um, there's huge disparities, male and female disparities, new friends and old friends disparities. Um, and trying to underpin that, I think one of the best things I spoke to both of you about this definition was looking at pride and thinking, what if pride is wanting to control others' perspective of you? Mm-hmm. For me, I say that resonates so much if you look to um, how I share in particular with my male friends. I always, I almost always share from a position of strength. Uh, most yeah. of my male friends will never know yeah. like or never see mm. me in the vulnerable stages. Yeah. It'll yeah. be more of a, 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 oh, blah, blah, blah. Last year was pretty rough, man. Yeah. But I'm out of it, blah, blah, blah. This is how I got out of it. But I don't think... I've ever opened up to one of my male friends and just been like, right, things are rough. I actually don't know how I'm going to get to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think a lot of that is appearance, is sort of, I want to be respected by my male friends as someone that's got his stuff down. Um, and unpacking that and trying to find a solution to that, I don't think is easy, but I think needs to be done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's quite... It's quite common in society. It's this this particular thing about wanting to control how people see you. It's reflected in every single aspect. Yeah. I was just thinking because when uh, Monty said, um, "What's it called? Highlight." I was thinking, "Yeah, it's a highlight reel. This is essentially an Instagram post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You are, you are, you know, you're not show exactly. someone's post. You're not your like Instagram. Exactly. You're Instagram <laughs> posting your experience. Mm. So it looks you've overcome." Because that's exactly what it is on Instagram. When, when you've done something great or when you've overcome something, that's the only time where it actually shows. But you don't. This is, people tend not to share the actual hardships yeah. of the journey, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. But you know when you said pride, I was, and it's something I was thinking about yesterday. Um, it's these composite like traits. Like pride is that, yes, it is wanting to control how people see you. But on the other side, pride is also... A set of it's a set of m- whether it's morals or principles or guidelines that you strongly adhere to definitely and it it and your self-esteem is strongly influenced by how much you follow those guidelines definitely mm-hmm. and literally mm-hmm. and and then as soon as and you try not to to breach that and that's what keeps your pride intact and that's and it's funny with these um that's exactly how it is. Like you, whether it's not believing that you're supposed to overcome something before you share it, it's all. Mm. So it, it literally is just like a vicious circle of these things, and it can it can sometimes just like run amok. But yeah, yeah it, it it is very difficult to to get out of. Mm-hmm. I I definitely went through that myself, wanting to control how you are seen. I um. I look when I look back at my entire life. Well, not entire life, but... Pretty deep. Not entire life, I would say. When I look back at, like, uh, let's just say, 
the uh, the six last six years of my life, six seven years of my life, there is um I was going through something that was quite substantial, mm-hmm. and uh, this thing that I was going through was um, in it dictated why I'm here at university as a mature student instead of like being at university like everyone else did at the age of like twelve, you know, nineteen or eighteen. Mm-hmm. So um, and I never used to talk about that. And even even right now, I find it weird. But I'm not even I'm not even saying that. I'm calling it that. But I used I never used to talk about it. And then um, suddenly something changed. I started talking a bit more about it, and I realized why. I realized why I was I actually talk about it more. Actually, I think it'll 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 set a better context if I actually say what it is. So through moving around and everything that my parents used to do, they made a very big mistake, which was. Instead of regularizing our status within the country before taking us and taking us to like Moscow and all over the place, they didn't. They were like, you know, you, you can always come back. Yeah. So then when it was time to come back, we thought, oh yeah, we were born here. Let's like, let's fix things up and let's just go to university or to all that. That's not how it happened. So we were put in this position where we had to apply for like status and all that stuff. And we went through limbo. And I say we as, as my, my brothers, we went through limbo which is basically when you have like a, an application with the home office and stuff and you don't get you don't get a response and in the meantime you're not allowed to vote you're not allowed to work you're not allowed to go to school yeah. so obviously I was doing my A-levels and I was like fine I was like okay cool it's not really an issue because I was in school mm-hmm. but then when it was time to go to university that's when I started to become aware of the fact that I was in limbo and so I was so ashamed of that because obviously I come from quite an academic family and academia, I guess academia is, you know, that's my, that's pride. That's yeah. how I, those are the things that I need to have in order to have that esteem for my own self. Yeah. So I would never talk about it. And it was until things got better and everything was like, when I got it and I'm in university now, now I'm even, I'm, now I'm talking about it. But I realized that when I was actually going through it, I never said a word. No one knew. They just saw me just going through life. Hmm. And and this is this is kind of what it is. And so I'm, now that you mentioned that whole thing, I'm looking back at my entire life and I'm like, yeah. It's just a macrocosm of what you just said about what you're the a, a thing that you're going through this year. That was 7 years of 7 8 years of not saying anything, saying something now. That's and it's funny. Um recently that visa ran out and I'm now again in limbo but it's a different type of situation because it's like it's after they give you a certain amount of time you're supposed to get indefinite so I'm in that in that period but it's still limbo yeah so I find myself having this weird PTSD thing (laughs) where I'm not actually talking I even now early on I was gonna say but I was like that and that do you do you see what I'm saying it's it's weird how it works so I feel like now I'm back again. I'm now I'm really going against the little Yannick in me is screaming right now because I'm talking about it and I'm mm-hmm. on a pod, yeah. podcast. Yeah. But I I purposely want to do this because this is what we're talking about, the whole thing of pride and how it's difficult. And if you fall into that habit of perpetuating this whole thing of pride and holding on to that, it can sometimes be detrimental to many things. So that's so this is this is I, I went on a bit of a rant, but this is kind of something mm-hmm. I wanted to share yeah, no, about it. I think the sort of listening listening to your story, towards the end of it, what told me is 
often if you do say you operate in pride and you want to control how others view you and you create I don't necessarily think it's deceptive I'm not mm-hmm. not saying like controlling how others think about you is hiding away a huge part of yourself and, and being th- fake but then when it comes to opening up and letting your friends know actually there's this whole cupboard of 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 stuff stuff yeah that I've actually been dragging around there there's there's inertia there there's there's intimidation there because coming out of last year and thankfully being on the better side of a lot of the issues I was in I'm now coming around to looking and thinking right there's a good handful of friends there's family that need to know what happened yeah and it'd be much easier if it was just one or two things but if I if I tell them one thing I'll need to tell them the other mm-hmm. and the other yeah. and the other and yeah. the whole cupboard will need to be opened mm-hmm. yeah. and will yeah. need to come out um, and then moving forwards I think it's never getting into that situation I think it's it's never leaving so much out of the equation when I commit myself to a relationship to a friendship that there is a whole sub-narrative or a whole as I was saying six months I'd need to fill you in on before you understand where mm-hmm. I am today yeah it's hard to get someone to relive like a whole chapter of your life you know yeah. like such a roller coaster of emotion that you go through. It's just hard to like tell someone like what you went through and like yeah. get them to you know get in your shoes for a bit. It's just hard. Have either of you have either of you done it then? Have either of you sort of faced? I did it once by writing a letter actually. Um, mm-hmm. When it was a difficult conversation that needed to be had, um, and for a while there was shame there that I couldn't face it. Um, face to face that I couldn't tell this person it was my mother actually what was going on um, but I think as much as you can let shame creep in we need to find our ways to manage this on our terms because there are stuff all of us we've been through a lot it's not easy to suddenly create the idealistic support network and the mm-hmm. self-resilience or, or, or to just open up with absolutely everyone but similar to like the last um, episode of the podcast, we were talking about um, progressive extremism and the snowball effect. And, and what underpinned that was sort of starting small, starting on your terms and going from there. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a conversation that absolutely needed to be had face to face. But it's, that wasn't the person, that wasn't in my capabilities then. All I could do was write it down and give it to them. And I actually gave it to them, my mum, this is just before I left on the coach back to Bristol. Because maybe it was pride. I wanted to distance myself yeah. so much from from the person who I was on the letter. Um, so, yeah, open up the floor. Have you guys... That's heavy. What was the... Would you mind speaking about that? Or is that... Another time and a place. Yeah. Another time and a place. <laughs> yeah. Potentially yeah. on a different episode, potentially in a okay. different medium. Okay, cool. Um, but I think finding finding your way of making some form of micro-movement. And for mm-hmm. me, it's that list of friends. Yeah. And we're going to get through that yeah. because these are people I want to take the journey of life with me. Yeah. And the cupboard needs to be opened. Mm-hmm. And all of those stories need to come out. Like that was a, you, you felt probably felt good after that letter, right? Yeah. It, was a, it was a good step in a positive direction. Yeah. You know, the next step would actually be face to face with your mom. Yeah. You know, so you're just you're moving positively like that. Hundred percent, I get that. It's it's um, 
it's just um, I can't help but think about yeah there there have been instances where I've done that taking that little step I guess they're like feelers I think that's the only way you can create those um, networks mm. if I'm thinking of any advice I can give someone of how to start creating those networks is you don't have to divulge your entirety Mm. But your vulnerability needs to come out of you just like feelers on a catfish. Mm -hmm. Like, just <laughs> feel it out and then just, like, send it out there. It's whatever. There will be something that bites. Yeah. And when that thing bites on, and then it's up to you to identify what the situation is. Is it friend or foe? Because, I mean, that, that exists out there, mm -hmm. too, yeah. sometimes. Like, a person that just wants to hear something just in order to hold it against you or whatever. But that's how it starts little feelers and putting that out there and then seeing what's on the end on, on the other end of the line with your friends that mm -hmm. can also happen with your friends or if you're brave enough you can do it with absolute strangers sometimes telling a stranger about something you're going through can be one of the most yeah. rewarding things yeah. because especially like I agree. take an Uber driver just <laughs> tell him yeah. that, you know take a long ride know that you're taking a long ride and if they're receptive to it just say it and then the perspective you get is so is so because I mean obviously everyone has their biases uh, mm -hmm. their biases and all that stuff but just you get of a, a relatively pure like perspective mm -hmm. because it's a bias that you are not aware of it's not yeah, a bias yeah. that is connected or correlates with anything of yours yeah he has a completely so different life exactly he, he or she. and so they will say that mm -hmm. and then that's so that's an, that's an interesting thing so that potentially is a piece of advice in terms of starting to build those networks or to see if you already have those networks within your friendship circle by just throwing out feelers like yeah, yeah yeah that's literally yeah. how it is 100 one of the things i've been doing of late because it meant so much to me last year i was telling monty when we had a chat it was literally something came up i think it was illness or something and i wasn't in lectures for a few days and then a friend messaged me um, and he was just like, oh, Eunice, haven't seen you in lectures. Hope everything's all right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And genuinely, that was the highlight of my day. That was the highlight of my week. But yeah. those small feelers, the small just catching up with people, checking in on people, I think that's how we can all be the solution to everyone's problems. Because mm -hmm. another thing that I was saying is there's over 24,000 people at this university. Mm -hmm. And I think we all share one common goal which is deeper, more, more, more bountiful um, connections. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times I find myself putting in a lot of barriers. Um, like, uh, best actually maybe if I, flip, if, if I flip the script and talk about barriers people put on me, um, in Freshers' Week, in first year, I remember probably about two or three weeks into a lot of my friendships, all my friends were turning around and saying, Oh, Eunice, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't sure if I should approach you at the start of uni because you mm -hmm. seemed like a bit... They'd actually say you just seemed a bit prestige. You seemed like you already had yeah, your so group first of friends. Are huge. Um, and you didn't seem like you needed me to come and speak mm -hmm, to you. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of like, that could not be further from the truth. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm here with you guys. I, I'm, I'd like to think I'm quite an open guy. I'd love to get to know everyone. And then similar, that, that got flipped right on its head. At the end of last year, I remember towards exam period, I was speaking to someone I hadn't spoken to for a while for exactly the same reasons. 
they seemed like they were good they seemed like they didn't really maybe they looked down on me they didn't really need me as a friend mm -hmm. and I got chatting to them and they were again one of the most open people possible mm -hmm. and I think almost because it's easy to assume for me to speak to someone they need to be going through exactly the same thing as me and they need to understand me and they need to be in exactly the same boat as me we assume there isn't value from speaking to people who either are completely out of our circles like the uber driver maybe mm -hmm. or a friend that came from a completely different background and is going through completely different things and i think the only person that well i was going to say i think the only person that harms is yourself but i think it harms the whole community mm. um, and if we are trying to work towards as you said that 3d network Yeah. We need to make sure we accept links coming in as well as trying mm -hmm. to shoot links out. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't want to be our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that was that. Um, sort of talking about... It's, it's great to have someone who understands you entirely, but value can definitely be gained and new perspectives can definitely be gained by someone in a completely different circumstance as you. Um, so, the next talking point I sort of had was response rarely solves a problem. And I think this sort of continues on a different, uh, on a similar theme looking at, I've had friends come to me and I'm almost inclined to say, oh, I'm not qualified to, to talk about that. Oh, I wouldn't want to address that or thinking like I can't solve your problem and I've gone into solutions sort of think I'm not going to speak to this person because they can't solve the problem again it comes back to the self-resilience I'm the only person that can solve the problem but what I've been trying to do and I think Yannick one of the things your sessions open up to me with the like active listening yeah is a lot of the times we don't want people with responses that will solve our problems We just want to be able to vocalize things. We just want to feel like there's that connection there. I'm yeah. not sure if you guys agree. I know I agree. I um I I've always been told that I'm a good listener. Mm -hmm. And I used to wonder why it was. It's one of the reasons why I'm studying psychology. People say that I I just exhibit everything a therapist should have naturally. So I was like, <laughs> just, well, you know what? Might as well. So um active just just the idea of being with someone of being present with someone and complete congruence with that person 100% like positive regard and just listening to them without necessarily directing that that's the basis of like non-directive support or non-directive therapies and that's kind of what I wanted to incorporate in my initiative in terms of like what we do and so as you said active listening we have this thing where we we call it the um, listen and try it yeah which is what going back to the whole tr um, 3d mapping of a situation let's say for example there is a situation right um, someone is going through something someone that person comes into the, the equation and is talking so they talk and then the other person who takes the role of the therapist in quotation marks mm -hmm. um, the therapist actively listens And then there's someone else there, which is just an innocent bystander who is supposed to just be the observer, mm -hmm. i.e. look at the body language of the person that is talking, the little the little micro-expressions they may have when they're talking about a subject or when they're talking about, oh, my mom, this, or this, or this, and then they start nervously tapping. All of these little cues. And then obviously observe the, 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 the listener who practices active listening. And active listening is a simple thing. It's nothing complicated. It's literally something like leaning in, 
like nodding at at full stops to like emphasize and like help mm-hmm. the person continue speaking looking at the person just showing acquiescent like body language mm-hmm. like towards them being turned towards them instead of turning another way and just little simple things like that that can literally make someone feel um heard mm-hmm. so and that's a that's a very important thing um so that and that's that goes into the whole idea of um 3d mapping of an issue because that essentially doesn't require a professional. Yeah. You literally can do this yeah. with your friends. Like we mm-hmm. are, there are three people in here. Mm-hmm. There are three people in here and right now I'm tur- I'm turned towards Eunice and I'm talking to you and you are practicing active listening without even realizing it. You're saying, mm-hmm, yeah, this. And Monty is watching us. Mm-hmm. So that essentially so and I am I like and what I'm talking about I was like Well that I just have a nervous tap. But yeah. But that's just the thing. So it's like so that's exactly what it is. So that is and that's this is something that I wanted to just introduce mm. for people to start doing that. You don't necessarily need to be in threes. You could active listen wherever you go yeah. and that essentially goes back to what we said about everyone is a therapist mm-hmm. we are all our own professionals like yeah. we are on our we're all our own professionals when it comes to these things like we understand that the professional that studies and go the the, the mental health practitioner that studies and all that stuff yes it's a good thing it's a very good thing but it's understand that it's thing. just it's an essential thing but understand that it's also a perspective a side of the coin it's a side of the coin it's not the coin Mm -hmm. it's a side of that coin we are the other side and yeah yeah completely agree couldn't agree more myself i remember it's two things i remember sort of sixth form time where again it goes back to the 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 article i wrote the first article for the blog on emotional assumptions um just making a lot of social mistakes um, a lot of that was speaking way too much. And I remember thinking, right, Eunice, you've obviously got a mouth on you, but you need to become a set of ears as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking, go into these conversations listening. Um, and then again, with one of, one, of, one of the insights I got over the summer was mirroring. Um, so say someone, I did it yesterday, someone was talking about one of the, one of the struggles that they used to, used to face um, and they touched on it, they touched on the surface, but didn't go into it too much. And it was almost not spill out all of the nightmares in the cupboard. I just said, you said you used to face this. And it's sort of just mirroring those tiny little things that you get from people's sentences, which invite them to speak more. Yeah. And means you can be so much more of ears rather than mouths. And again, I think the lesson I found from this over the past few years is as a balance because I think I, I, I kept on hammering in be ears not mouth be ears not mouth be ears not mouth that I ended up just being a set of ears yeah. and as the years went on I actually had some stuff I needed to go to my friends with and I found myself unable not to just all I could do was sit there and listen and just kick off the mm. conversation how's the day going this this and that um, two hours later when it's time to go our separate ways, I was sort of like, ah, oh, damn, you know, you had quite a bit that you really needed to get off your chest, mm-hmm. but you weren't able to. And I think if I if I had a message to say there, it's flip the roles every now and then, mm-hmm. um, and it's again yeah, maybe coming back to don't 
don't judge, don't assume. Often the people that look fine, the people that have these fronts, the people that seem yeah. like they have everything on lock, the, the resilient people, like I think ourselves, may actually be the people in need of help the most. And then if you're one of my friends listening, <laughs> this is a hint. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> Mayday. <laughs> no, thankfully, not quite. But yeah, I think flip the scripts. Someone, I think even speaking to people who've heard me doing this podcast, they're sort of like, oh yeah, wow, this is great. You must have everything sort of sorted if you're speaking about personal development. And I'm sort of there like, yeah, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe if you want to go back to don't judge a book by its cover and a lot of people a lot of people will put up fronts that mask the problems at bay yeah mm-hmm. and a lot of, of times course. the fronts that people have cause the opposite problem um, so for me is the self-dependence the self-resilience meant I was probably the one friend that needed the help the most but I was a friend going out fixing everyone's problems mm-hmm. and speaking to everyone and being ears rather than a mouth I fully fully agree with that <laughs> that is so it's so funny like I feel like I'm I'm literally divulging way too much on this <laughs> I'm, I'm about to throw another <laughs> throw another bomb in, in, in the mix um, I um, it's funny but what you just said is exactly what my masters has been like I okay. I went through something quite in between my undergraduate and then starting my master's right straight after I went through something quite significant and it potentially could have been a disastrous year and this is actually why this is what kind of black my initiative stemmed from yeah I was like okay my undergraduate was really difficult so I wanted to make sure that no one went through this what I went through and essentially I wanted to be distracted so it's like a it's like a productive distraction. Yeah. So I started Black Men Talk and we were in these sessions and I'm helping them. I'm, pe- I'm having people message me and asking for me to like um, signpost them to certain things. I, I got in contact with like external therapy, uh, therapy uh, institutions to get to kind of get connect people together, stuff like that. But I myself am going through something. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. It was productive in the sense where. I would get little little moments of cathartic release myself yeah. from helping other people. But at the core of it, I wasn't really getting help. I was dealing with what I was dealing myself. So I put in put simple things in place like meditating five minutes every single time. Every single time I wake up. Every morning I meditate for five minutes before I get up, writing on like a motivational motivational things on the board, just different things, different self help things that I did mm. but that's so interesting that you say that that you it's like productive procrastination because you're helping or like yeah you're helping other people <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily helping yourself and this is exact and this is funny my initiative is literally the baby of it's the result of this <laughs> it is the result of this thing so it's a good thing it's productive because I'm helping but I do have to say that to some extent a lot of things suffered this year yeah. because of as a result of that. And yeah, there's ways just, yeah. I'm sure you're searching for ways to overcome that. There's ways I sought to overcome that. Except points over summer when I was trying to sort of piece together 
things that had happened and connect to some of my friendships. Yeah. Didn't follow through with it, but I was thinking, right, I'm going to go and see this friend. Um, and we always have good chats and I always catch up with how they're doing. But I need to actually do some of the speaking. And should have followed through those two things. The first thing was, right, I need to get some stuff off my chest. Mm-hmm. Can we have a chat as I as I uh, hit them up on WhatsApp? Because you can't hide from that. They, they know every your cards are on the table. And the second thing was, I knew the conversation was going to be an emotional one. And I knew I'd want to shy away from it. So when yeah. I went round to their house, I was like, if you literally just bring a tissue box and explain, I brought this tissue box because I want to release emotionally and that's probably going to involve tears. I can't just spend three hours listening to all of their problems and walk away kicking myself like that was an opportunity yeah. to to get some support. That was an opportunity mm. to get someone to listen. But these small things, again, if we go back to the progressive extremism, make your micro step. It's not about tackling everything at once it's not about just diving into all my friendships are gonna are gonna be a hundred percent open because yeah. that can be daunting there's a lot to change there but be it writing a letter instead of having a face-to-face conversation obviously working towards that not letting complacency sit in or taking the tissue box to your mate just so that you both know I need to have a deep conversation here and I need to express. And maybe you don't end up crying or using a tissue box, but it's something physical there that means you can't shy away from what needs to happen. Yeah. But then, yeah, well, the final, one of the final things I sort of wanted to touch on is what happens when you open up and you get burnt? Maybe you speak to a family member they just don't understand yeah. at or all. they make a joke out of or it or they make yeah. a joke out of it you have yeah. some yeah. dodgy friends mm-hmm. your your what was said in confidence gets leaked to everyone yeah, yeah. The whole that hits of, hard the whole friend of foe thing that mm-hmm. I was talking about where you have to look you have to you're gonna take some L's <laughs> you're gonna take on this journey to self love self improvement self development you're gonna take mad L's you're gonna take L's and you have to um you have to get to a point where you don't internalize them and you don't, you know, yeah, you don't internalize mm-hmm. them. Yeah, don't you learn it. from yeah, each other. Exactly. All right, mm-hmm. you learn from each loss and you, you know, you write it down in your mental, mental book and yeah. you, you know, and you apply it for later on in life. Like, I don't know, say, say you said with that family member, he like laughs at you and mm-hmm. you're trying to open up, you know, you just take that mental note. Um, maybe he's he's dealing with something you know you don't yeah. you don't take it to heart you're like this guy's maybe going through something he's maybe a bit shy about this topic so he's laughing it out because yeah. he can't deal yeah, with it that is very true um, so you've got to flip it around and then put yourself on top and then put yourself on top that is no, just, that is so true because I think it links to like a sound bite that I, I discovered a couple of months ago and it was sort of I'll never be sure if everyone else is trying their best but when I assume they do, it makes my life better. Mm. And as you were saying, maybe this guy is just dealing with exactly the same thing as you, mm-hmm. but feels so uncomfortable about the yep. topic that the only thing they can do is belittle it and laugh about it. Mm-hmm. We don't know. But for me, what, what primes myself, even if I'm thinking about this purely selfishly, what means, okay, they're not a broken link, someone I can't go to again, 
And what potentially opens up further communication in the future is if I adopt maybe the most optimistic viewpoint of that. Mm-hmm. Um, true. Yeah, true. Um, one thing that helped me in terms of when it comes to this is um, obviously as someone that is relatively anxious, just as an individual, I, well, social anxiety precisely, I would always be worried about things that happen as I navigate in society. And one particular, I guess this is kind of like a soundbite that helped me was that people at the core are extremely egotistical and egocentric beings. This is okay. the nature of, it sounds really really bad but it's the nature of, <laughs> it's the nature of humanity yeah so when someone interacts with you if you keep at the forefront of your mind that it is less about you and more about them yeah. mm, that's a good way to see it someone not liking something you do is more of a projection of what they think of themselves or the way yeah, they think of yeah, the world yeah. than it actually is of mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. and once you see that like I always use, I always tell when, when I'm giving anyone advice I always say that when there's a problem, once you've identified the root of the problem, the reason of the problem, that load, that cognitive load of that problem that that problem has on you becomes lightened. Yeah. There's no way it doesn't. So, and that has really, really helped me in terms of just like realizing that it's, it's not me. But obviously to get to that place, you have to come from a place of certainty. You, yeah. you have to develop that just... Strength from within is strength. Literally, like strength from within. You have to get. You have to have a little bit of that, and then slowly it'll develop and it'll get Mm. bigger and bigger and stronger. But that's essentially what it is. Because potentially, when we're when we're looking and talking about opening up with vulnerabilities, I remember one of the things again. Unfortunately, I went through last year. Is uh, I'm, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm a social recluse. So I came to uni, and because I'm surrounded by so many more people. I had so many more friends, um, but when I looked to, and this was partly my dream, when I looked to, okay, who can I depend on in a hard time, there'll be a lot of people that were absent. It'd be yeah. like, can we meet up? Let me message you, this, this and that. And I'd go two, three, four weeks without getting a reply. And I would like to say I'm usually quite an optimistic guy, usually quite a resilient guy, but I remember waking up one day and thinking, what does that say about me and my worth? And I yeah. think, I think coming back to what you said, Yannick, almost about how people act towards you often says more about them mm-hmm. than it does about me. Yeah. Yeah. Say you open up and you're vulnerable and you get burnt and you're sort of thinking, why doesn't this person care about me? Mm-hmm. Am I yeah. not worth being there for? Am I not a good enough friend? I think reminding yourself that, yeah, it's it's... If you do something weird and you're thinking, oh man, everyone's going to be thinking about, you know, what, what this or like this or that, they must be thinking this. Some, most, most, in most cases, they're actually not. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. busy thinking about the weird thing they did. Yeah. So yeah. that's, and that's literally, <laughs> yeah. and that's literally what it actually is. So, and that's, and that's what's really helped me. And, um, it's only, and yeah, at the tender age of 28, <laughs> that's, I think it's only like two and a, two years ago that I that I started to understand this because it was something that was really, it was often my social anxiety was so crippling that it would stop me from progressing and to getting achieving certain opportunities in life. Yeah, no, hundred percent. No, I I dealt with uh, uh, social anxiety. I think everyone has everyone's on the yeah. spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. I was hundred um, percent. But I remember having it really bad during my gap year 
uh, I was in complete isolation and uh, living alone. And it got to a point where I just can't, I couldn't even ask, uh, you know, the the, sh- the shopkeeper, like, where's where's the bread or, like, whatever, you know what I mean? I yeah. just couldn't interact with another human without thinking about myself so much. Like, what did I look, what did I look like to them? Did I seem scared? Like, you know, it's just... Yeah. But social anxiety, yeah. You, you just have to, as you said, you need to take, take little steps mm. um, yeah. to just get rid of it. It's just... We, we've... Um touching on this subject it's like we've we've touched on it superficially but this is um with even something like social anxiety there are so many contextual layers to this issue yeah there's so many of them so many overlapping layers whether it's a mental health condition that you have like social anxiety or like mild or um, severe depression mm-hmm. or whether a, sometimes even when it's a question of identity there are so many layers overlapping layers yeah. that different people go through and uh, which changes the context to the way they can navigate this particular situation and navigate support system so different contexts different contextual layers but also these contextual layers change when you're in different contexts so it's like mm. so like I said so like I said it's a We've touched on it superficially, but there's just so much to this. Yeah, I no, I agree. Like social, like you said, they overlap. So you got depression. That person will have some sort of anxiety as well. Yeah. Like they may have an issue with their identity as well. Like all these sort of like um, mental illnesses or mm. or whatever, they all in, uh, overlap. So if we all help, like a little bit of their depression, like if mm-hmm. if you smile at someone, it'll help <laughs> yeah. a little bit of their depression, which will help a little bit of their social anxiety. Yeah. gradually helping like each one I think just makes a huge difference and I think Actually, that's yeah. symbolic of just personal development on the whole and and what we've sort of discussed about support networks because then Yannick I remember sort of leaving you the conversation we had before this yesterday um, after I proposed that definition of pride is maybe controlling yeah. how others view you I remember you sort of saying something along the lines of, that's interesting, I need to go and unpack my personal blend of pride. And I think yeah. with regards to where we started off this podcast, talking about my psychology, um, with regards to everything, we all have our personal blend of problems, our personal blend of advantages, privileges, mm. this, mm-hmm. this and that. And yeah. I think what personal development is or where to start when you're thinking, right, I've just listened to you guys talk about support networks where do i start unpacking your personal blend of stuff literally Mm -hmm. and going from there Mm -hmm. um so yeah is there anything else any topics you maybe didn't discuss that you guys wanted to Um, Mm. think about it maybe like just just from what you were just saying there like what 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 should you do you know if um like the the counselling at the uni, I just wanted to quickly talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, like it isn't it isn't great. It isn't great. So we need to rely on a bit more. Like your friends as counsellors. Like you need to just. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just shoot out a conversation that just it's it's a bit about more about your life, like in a deeper way. So your mates sort of, uh, you know, you're taking barriers down with people. I think that helps a lot. I think yeah. I think you can you can sort of run with that psychology if you're looking around at adversity, if you're looking around at stuff that isn't correct, at, at, at systems that don't work for people, 
I think what we can do in that situation is take on personal responsibility and think, all right, if the counselling service maybe isn't doing what it needs to be doing for those in my community that, 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 that need it, maybe I need to up my game. Maybe mm-hmm. I do need to ask people how their day is going mm-hmm. more often. Maybe I do need to listen more actively yeah. more often, mm-hmm. mirror yeah. more often, dive deeper mm-hmm. than surface level more often. Yeah. Um, because we can wait until someone else provides a solution. We can wait until we're presented with the perfect counselling service, the perfect community, yeah. the perfect blend of open people. Or we can sort of think, all right, what am I going to do today? Um, and you can apply that externally and internally. Um, what what can you do today? What mm-hmm. micro movement yeah. can you make? What little step? That even if you're not working towards progress, you're working towards understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny you've described my year. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally what I've yeah, just like for um, for just my just the counseling services within the university. Yes, at the time it wasn't great. Yeah, it wasn't great. Whether it's like um, accessing it, how fast yeah. you want to get yeah. on it, yeah, how much effort you have to put, to put in, in to get help, to get help, and also oh, the appropriateness, right. the appropriateness of the person sitting opposite you, and how appropriate they are to understanding your mm-hmm. plight. Mm-hmm. Just a lot, a lot of that. So um, yeah, just you have to, you have to, you have to do something yourself. Mm-hmm. Like um, yeah, I was saying that the often. To be honest, this is this is gonna open in a, a can of Pandora's box. Let's like, <laughs> yeah. we don't really have that insane amount of time, so I'll just let all. But yeah, there's a lot to be said <laughs> about this. There's if, a lot to be said. Yeah, then if we've sort of touched on everything, I'll make one more point, and then I think it's it's yeah. about a good time to wrap up. And that was sort of you guys talking about just then about having to put in so much effort to seek yeah. help, mm-hmm. and I think that links back to the start of the conversation about proximal support networks because mm-hmm. the the one time in my life I've I've considered seeking professional support I remember emailing a whole load of people at oh the university God, yeah. um, trying to find yeah. something application wait three to five working yeah. days this this and that and I'd heard I'd spoken to staff about it and I'd heard them sort of saying well, is there students just need to put in the effort to find that support mm-hmm. and I was sitting there thinking actually I'm not going to shy away from this feeling but what I want right now is to literally just put like a like a signal out there saying SOS I want to be able to do nothing and by virtue of my value people to come to me and help me Mm -hmm. and 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 show that they care and connect with me yeah um and I don't think it's necessarily possible for the university to create a support service that does that but we can create friendship circles that do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if, we, if, as I said before, if we're looking to looking at adversities, what, what can I do? What responsibility can I take? Yeah. Maybe if you've ever sat there and sort of thought, actually, to an extent, I don't actually want to put in a hundred like, hours of effort to help myself. I want someone to come to me. Make sure you're that person that goes to others when, yeah. as and when they need it. Um, yeah. No, that, completely. No, I agree. Is, that is very true. I 100% agree with that. Mm. Right. Thank you both, Monty and Yannick, 
for the first yeah, the first podcast here. episode of the know, academic I'm, year. I'm the academic year. I'm, <laughs> I'm starting the year off on a good foot. Yeah, yeah let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. That is it from the PD podcast. Tune in next fortnight for a discussion on career development from the student's perspective. As always, all of our written and audio content is available online at www.pdproject.co.uk. If this project is something you'd like to keep up to date with, I'd recommend subscribing to our fortnightly newsletter or our social media on the handle at pdprojectbf. Should you be looking to get involved, visit our vacancies page or email me directly at pdproject.co.uk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more episodes, more articles and actually a documentary on the student experience coming this year. For now, that has been Eunice Skate from the Personal Development Project. Enjoy the rest of your week. It's a different kind of pain, it's a different kind of pain, crafting your happiness, crafting your happiness, it's a different kind of pain, it's a different kind of pain, crafting your happiness, crafting your happiness, smiling with the passive brain.